You're so cute. <laughs> Got your little hair and your little glasses. Leave me alone. Your big old headphones. Your big old head. <laughs> your big old forehead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never noticed that before? Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and Phoebe. Today we're going to be talking about the 2011 film, You're Next, directed by Adam Wingard. But before we get into that, how are you, Phoebe? I'm super excited to talk about this movie. Ooh, you've been talking about it for a while. It yeah. took me a long time to watch it, and it, you just kept pushing me and pushing me. I really did. As soon as I watched it, I was like, can you please just watch it so we can record and we can finally talk about it? Well, it was worth it because I liked it too. Spoiler <laughs> for our opinions for later on. Yeah. Well, clearly we liked it. And it could change because I think on Stigma at the beginning, I was like, fuck this movie. And at the end, I was like, I mean, it's fine. But that's a Patreon episode. True that. True that. So if you want to find out what I'm talking about, go do that. What else is going on this week before we jump into creepy content? I guess we should mention right off the bat that we are no longer in our home. We are officially in my parents' basement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And moving was the worst thing ever. All the things that could have gone bad went bad, like getting towed. Fuck those people. Uh, Some legal things that we probably can't mention. (laughs) Somebody stole my brake screws and my truck was about to fall apart mid move you know all part of moving right obviously we survived it and we're just gonna talk about horror instead so we don't have to think about it yeah it's also mark's birthday this weekend when this episode comes out happy birthday mark just wanted to do a shout out i hope you're listening is he he hates horror he does but he likes it when we talk about it because we make it fun and boozy well what do you have for creepy content so i actually just watched this new documentary on Shutter. I think it's titled The Phenomenon, Phenomenomenomenon of Found Footage, something along those lines. But it goes over the history of found footage film. And it's been really interesting because they mention a ton that I have never even heard of. I thought that found footage always started with like, you know, cannibal holocausts and things like that. They show like top found footage films versus like lesser known, really cool found footage films. So it seems like they're going in terms of chronological order. So they even talk about snuff films at one point being considered part of the genre even though people don't want to talk about it and they get a couple international ones that's what i do like about shutter is they even though the majority is like eurocentric they do try to get a little international opinion in there but it's been just a fun watch yeah so you tweeted about it and a lot of people were like yeah i want to check that out i'll probably pick it up at some point yeah is that all you got yeah what have you been doing watching playing all those things yeah yeah i've been doing all those things it should be about three weeks after dr strange came out when this episode gets released so spoiler 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 Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. But we did see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and it was a grand old time. If you're a Sam Raimi fan and you're a fan of Evil Dead, Drag Me to Hell, classic Sam Raimi horror, this was all of that. I did not know that that's what we had signed up for, but man, was I glad that we were there. I completely forgot that Sam Raimi directed it, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? This is so Sam Raimi. And I was like, oh yeah, no, he does. And then you get Bruce Campbell, and you're (laughs) like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. We don't have to say a whole bunch of spoilers, but I did hate that they went the evil Scarlet Witch route right away and I would have liked to see it over time because she does kind of have like her dark arcs in the comics but you know I hope she's not dead I want to see her more maybe we'll see alternate universe here but yeah I don't know if they would release her from her contract that soon yeah no it's it's Elizabeth 
Olsen. They're going to want to hold on to her. They've been building her up for a long time just to like throw her in the trash. Although I wouldn't put it past them because Hela was such a cool character. Obviously one of my favorites and they left her in just one film and got rid of her. I still don't think she's dead either. Actually, Scarlet Witch dies in this, quote unquote, similar to how Hela does where she kind of off screen dies. You see her from a distance get smashed by something. So I don't know. Hela could be out there too. I'd love to see a Hela Scarlet Witch. It's not a thing, but I'd love to see that. (laughs) (laughs) This is Eric's just like fantasy movie of what he wants to see. Yeah. But another thing that I was watching recently was Russian Doll. I wasn't sure if this fell into comfort content, but Russian Doll, the first season at least, was kind of horror because, spoiler alert, she keeps dying over and over and over again. I feel like that puts it into like a horror, true crimey kind of like sci-fi boat. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know that it's horror necessarily because she's not like getting killed by anybody. She just can't avoid dying, which I guess That's could horrifying. be horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so season two was less of that and more time travel-y. So comfort content, more than horror content. She's not dying as much or at all. But yeah, Russian Doll's fun. You should check it out. I've told you it's yeah. probably your jam. The other thing I'm doing is Evil Dead. I didn't get to play a lot of it because our internet is bad down here. So we have to figure out that situation but it does have some single player offline stuff so i'm going to be picking that up wanted to record it see if maybe you want to join me and we just have fun killing just react yep what are they even called deadites deadites yes i was gonna say evil deadites i mean (laughs) you're not wrong last but not least i've been listening to blurdy massacre and my horror confessional while at work so go check out those podcasts they're really cool my horror confessional has anthony who is a supporter of our show and miguel myers love some fellow horror hispanics Sheree, Zero Gravity, Brother Ghoulish is on Blurry Massacre. Yeah, really fun topics. Similar to us, but they go into like way more intelligent speak than we do. (laughs) We're just here for the laughs. We're not smart people. Nope. We just here to talk all the things, but uh, all the non things too. Cool, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we do, we do great at that. That's all I got for creepy content. What do you have for comfort content? I don't think I have anything for comfort content. Nothing has brought you comfort over the last three weeks. Nothing that I have not mentioned on this a million times already. Yep. Oh, I do have comfort content that you and I both have been consuming. Oh, that's true. Do you want to talk about it? We've been watching Curtis Connor on YouTube. So much. He's got this like humor style that I just really, really like. And you were the one who showed it to me. Yeah, I didn't think it was something that Eric was going to get into. I just started putting it on before I went to bed. And then he like would slowly put his phone down and start watching it with me. So it's been fun. That's how every time we would go to bed was like, though, you would put something on TV and then I'd end up being the one telling you in the morning, like, so I learned all these things things and i'm a fan now so like when i became a satanist yeah right now i'm a curtis connorist i guess we should also mention that your brother johnny got married yes 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 yeah happy wedding how do you say merry wedding congratulations oh congratulations (laughs) congratulations to them they got married on friday the 13th which was cool some of y'all saw the pictures on the socials where i brought the mask we did that after the fact obviously i didn't do the ceremony with it because you couldn't hear shit i would say yeah congrats to them thousands of years to you guys of happy marriage cool Are we all caught up now? Yes, 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 we are. Okay. Are we talking about a drink now? No. Okay. That's not what this show's about. Anyway, what do you have for a drink today? I'm really excited about this drink because a while back we bought Final Girl Wine, a company that you actually showed me, and we found out is Latino-owned, so we love to support that. Latina-owned specifically. Yes, it's a woman business owner. Woo! This film, if you have not watched it, has an awesome Final Girl, so I wanted to use that wine and make it the ultimate Final Girl drink. I made essentially a wine spritzer, and we just used orange liqueur, this Final Girl's wine, which is on the dry side not so sweet i'm sure they definitely have sweet options but the one we selected was not and some grape 
grapefruit soda to top it with. It's a super simple drink. I don't know if you want to give it a try. Yeah. What kind of wine is it? How would you say that? I've never seen this before, but it says Grenache or Grenache or Grenache. My mind wants to think the Spanish way to say it, but I could totally be wrong. What's the Spanish way to say that? How you said it the second time. Grenache? Grenache, yeah. Oh, possibly. Or Grenache, because it's from California. I like that. I like the taste of wine. You tasted it before this, the wine itself? Yeah, the wine itself is not a sweet one. I like it. I like the flavor mixes. It is a refreshing style of drink. Spritzes usually are. Mm-hmm. I give this a three and a half, even a four. Let's, let's go four. Yeah, I really enjoy this. It's like a less sweet sangria. I love wine drinks, so for me, this is a four out of five. Yeah, there you go. Fours, fours all around. Check out Final Girl. They have several more on their socials. We'll probably tag them in here somewhere. Yeah, so you guys can find them. So sip on your ultimate Final Girl while we finally get to the fun facts for this movie. There weren't that many. I'll be honest. The facts that I saw were kind of boring, actually. <laughs> okay. So I made my own fun facts. So you just made them up out of thin air? No. It's just that I caught a pattern and I was like, wait, how many other people are involved in this that are related? Before I jump into that, a lot of the film was shot with handheld cameras to help increase the feeling of tension in every scene. And you can kind of feel that. Although it's not a found footage style film, you do see the shakiness of the camera a lot and a lot of POV shots. Oh, yeah. And it definitely builds suspense. There's also a lot of random slow-mo up-close shots. It's interesting stylistically. Man, I don't hate it. Uh, me either. It's not cheesy. Or no, it's not used like so much that you're like, ugh, takes me out of the film. Yeah. There's a fuck ton of people in this who were involved with VHS. And I'm not talking about the ones that, or maybe you know, actually. The face you're giving me makes me think you know who all is involved. <laughs> maybe a few, but give them Two? all to me. Tell me your numbers. Like which one? Like how many people? How many people? Isn't it quite a few of them? How many? Oh, I don't know. Your face a... made me think you knew exactly I knew that a couple them. were involved, but I didn't no, I want to say like four people. Am I right? Am I wrong? I didn't count, actually. <laughs> but I know it's not. Well, I thought you were going to say the two from the dinner, but you said four, so maybe you caught someone else. Oh, We'll I see which know. ones you knew. Ready? Again, the cast is full of people from VHS that were all sprinkled in the film for fun, including Adam Wingard, who was the one involved with Tape 56 in VHS. That was the overlying story in that film. Ty West, obviously, who plays Tariq, and Joe Swanberg, who plays Drake, are both directors in VHS, and they're just directors in general. Ty West recently did x yeah simon barrett was the writer for this film and was also a writer for tape 56 and vhs so you knew those four so i think we're up to four okay cool he also played the tiger face killer oh okay the last two caitlin Scheel, who plays talia also plays the lover in second honeymoon from vhs now i can't confirm that for a fact because she was just called the girl in the imdb for vhs in the second honeymoon story gotcha but when you look up stills of her it's the one with the mask which mm. is the lover she never shows her face and then the last one our favorite character from vhs the piece of shit himself not calvin reader but his character the douche from tape 56 he's the cop at the end of this movie really yeah i didn't recognize him i recognized him right away i was like this guy looks too familiar You're like i fucking hate his face already the mustache <laughs> okay so i'd only guess four that was like six seven people there's probably more honestly yeah. like i just tried to find as many as i could but like hey if you're listening and you know more shoot us a message i'd be happy to see who all else is involved with this this came out in 2011 and was actually in Lionsgate's hands for like two years before it was released officially in 2013. This movie? Yeah. So why does it say 2011 when you search it? It was released at a film festival and then 2013 was when it got its mass release. Gotcha, gotcha. I actually thought, and I could be wrong, I thought that they were unsatisfied with some of the ways things turned out in VHS so they did this movie together. Interesting. But now that timeline doesn't make sense. I mean, if you guys know. VHS came out in 2012. This came out in 2011 was 
wasn't released till two years later, meaning that they did this possibly in tandem, if not before VHS. No, no, VHS was like a quick turnaround, remember? They almost didn't make it. So this had to have been done like way before VHS was even a thought. And I don't recall if we brought up your next in VHS even. No, we didn't talk about it at all. You want to know some other weird and silly facts about the cast? Sure. I have just one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Sharni Vincent, who plays Erin, Erin is our ultimate final girl. She plays the main girl in Step Up 3D, which I had no idea existed one. But why is it a 3D? <laughs> Why is it in 3D? <laughs> Different genre. Did you know that Adam Wingard directed Godzilla vs. Kong? This guy's moving up in the world. He's having a great time. Yeah, good for him. Anyway, that was all my fun facts about this movie and others, apparently. Yeah, it was a little all over the place, but it was still fun. You know what I'm excited about? What? This speed run that you're about to do. I'm actually excited too. You know why? Because there's not much to this movie. I saw my name was on there and I was like, she's going to be so happy. I can't remember if it was on the Patreon episode or one of the main feed episodes, but we legit argued for like two minutes about how Eric has made me do three speed runs in a row. That was on Stigmata. Again, y'all need to go check out Stigmata. It was fun. We did video. It was really cool. I had a really good time editing it, but also we were doing that in the middle of packing and panicking and chaos. That was not a good time. But I did it. But so go watch it. It's worth it. One, two, three, go. All right. So there is uh, killing at the beginning of this movie. And we were like, what? This is a person with a mask. He's just killing somebody. That's crazy. And then we get introduced to this couple. They're going to have this dinner. They're going to get together. Everyone gets introduced. There's a bunch of people. It's a brothers and sisters who bring their partners. We meet the parents, including Barbara Crampton. It's kind of fun. She's cool. I hate that she passes away so fast. But they're all getting picked off out of nowhere. It's crazy. And then people start going into chaos and they're all rich. And it's like, oh, no, we don't know what to do in survival mode. Suddenly, Aaron, who's the main character, hasn't told her boyfriend that she's actually like really good at surviving, starts just handling it. She's like going into survival mode, killing everybody, finds out that the family's actually in on it, kills the family. Her boyfriend, who ran away earlier, is like, oh, it's okay, we can take the money. She's like, nah, fuck you. Kills him, cop comes, She, he thinks that she killed everybody, movie ends. Wow, you had five seconds left. How bad or good did I do? I was a little worried because you were still kind of at the beginning for like 20 seconds. Had time to pause between words. You really did. <laughs> but I love it because it really goes into what you and I have always talked about, especially you. You have no fucking idea who you're messing with. You really don't. And I love that there is a movie that finally shows that. And I was surprised to see that it was 2011 because I'd never really heard of it before. And you feel like a movie like this that really shows feminism would be more exalted, I guess, in current day. So what I was mad about is that this movie literally lived on Netflix for like years. I would see it advertised to me every year of my life since Netflix came into existence. And then we decided to finally cover it and it was like no longer available. And we had to get it on, I think we had to buy it, but I don't mind it because I ended up loving it so much. And I guess we should just get into it because I feel like we're giving away our end review already. Yeah, yeah. What does the internet say this is rated and about? Real quick. When the Davison family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, the gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of the victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. Here for it. Rated A, 6.5. That's too low. Fuck you, I'm Bullshit. 97,000 people. You need to do better. You need better opinions. Although, popularity, I don't know what that means. Oh, it moved up 856 spots, apparently. I don't know what the fuck that means. I've never seen that before. What is that? doesn't matter. I feel like this film has probably gathered a cult following. Because even though, at the time, I don't think I heard a lot of people talking about it. When I posted that we were covering this movie, everyone was like, this is super fun and great. So I think it definitely has its cult following. Before we jump into it, this movie is categorized as something kept coming up. It was like cottagecore, mimiccore. Did you see this? Really? 
hold on, not cottage core. That's obviously wrong. That's it's like something else. That's like interior design, cottage core. Yeah, that's what we're trying to get in a house. This house that they filmed in apparently wasn't lived in for like more than twelve years before they started filming in it. That's depressing. Because we can't even fucking find a house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everywhere that I saw was like Ty West and Joe Swanberg are like famous directors for Mumblegore movies, which this movie also falls into. I'm like, what the fuck is Mumblegore? And they're like, oh, it's like Mumblecore, but like gore. I was like, what is happening? Thanks for the explanation. I have not heard this term. Subgenre of independent films categorized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, low-budget film production, an emphasis on dialogue over plot, and a focus on a personal relationship of people in their 20s and 30s. That is incredibly specific. And also not how I would ever categorize this movie. <laughs> no. Sure, there is like genuine, believable dialogue between characters, but I think we're here for the kills in this movie. So just to clarify, it's not specific to horror. It just seems to independent films. So hmm. while, yeah, I have seen indie films that are focused completely on dialogue and relationships. Eh, I guess. I don't know. And what, Mumblegore is the horror version of that? Yeah. Mm, that's cute. Cute. I guess. I'll give it to you. <laughs> well, let's do it, baby. We open on a couple being watched through a slightly open door as they are going at it. The dude finishes and excuses himself to shower. The woman, looking very unsatisfied, gets dressed and goes to the kitchen to get herself a drink. She hears strange noises and notices the glass door open, but chooses to close it and just turn on some music instead. We get a very Instagram-worthy drink video as she prepares her drink and then heads back upstairs. Back in the bedroom, she notices something or someone through the mirror. We cut to the man getting out of the shower, and this is when I notice that he is much older. He's much older, and he's not attractive. Like, I would get it if he was, like, a hot older dude. He's not. He's, like, very much a man going through a midlife crisis with his low earring. Baby earring. Yeah. He enters the bedroom and notices the words, Your next, painted in blood on the window. Through the glass, we see that the young woman has been murdered, and he is about to scream and run when he runs straight into a man wearing a sheep mask, holding a machete. We get classic blood splatter on the wall behind him, and then we cut to black. So the your next thing. I know it's the name of the movie. But why? why? Yeah. <laughs> So because of what we later find out, I feel like this is all staging. They want to make it convincing that this is a serial killer with a calling card. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Make it a <laughs> believable crime scene. My thought process went the opposite and I was like, if they're not trying to be found, why the fuck are they leaving calling cards? Truly, these guys are not the best team to hire. They're really not. We then see a car driving down what appears to be a deserted road and get introduced to the husband and wife. The wife is Barbara Crampton and I had no idea she was in this movie when i saw her i was like oh shit yeah i loved it i love her and everything she does i want to see more of her i think we saw all of her in reanimator okay. i can't say that i'm a man <laughs> what's funny is we posted about this movie in our discord and sheree was like barbara is shitting on all these younger actors because <laughs> she looks way better i'm like she looks she fantastic really you know when she was in in search of darkness remember i told you i was like whoa she looks so good we learned that her name is aubrey and she points out that eric harson i believe that's his name is also visiting his vacation home when and the husband mentions that he probably lives there full time now since he left his wife for a college student, which explains mm. the opening scene, which is gross. Wow. They pull up to a huge home in the woods and upon entering, realize that the front door is open. The husband explains this away by saying that the workmen probably just left the door open. Already a bad call. 
already bad decision making. We don't have to check it. It's fine. We're rich. Nothing happens Nothing's to gonna us. Nothing's going to happen to us. It's a massive home that you have not visited. Check everything. Yeah. Not even just for like murder. Just check. Does the water work? Does the heating work? Does the AC work? This has been house maintenance with Eric. <laughs> You're going to get killed by the literal house. Not even people are trying to intrude. It is now night and we get a young couple driving to the huge home in the woods. We learn that this is Aaron and... What the fuck is this? Crisp, crispy treats. Crispy. Crispy creams. Crispy cream. Who names their child this? Crispin. Crispian. Crispane. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I saw his name come up, because I'm old and I have to watch this with subtitles on, I was like, who names their child this? I was so mad. But this is where we get introduced to Aaron and Crispin. And Crispin is explaining about how his family makes a lot of money. He's a shady piece of shit from day one. He is sketchy. Yeah. You know what, Aaron? I don't know how you got here. If she's a survivalist, why would she not read his sketchiness? Because he's sketchy the moment you meet him. Same thing with his brother like i saw them coming from a mile away did you i i thought it was it was kind of fun it's funner to watch this film twice because you realize all the little like side interactions between crispin and felix and you're like oh but i've told you i'm a pretty good judge of character and, and i watch people a lot that comes from me not being a psychopath that comes from me always having been picked on and noticing that people are tr- shitty kind of sounds like you're a psychopath reading out other psychopaths so he explains that his father used to work for a company that is considered a very fascist company we just learned what that means vivi and i drive two hours to work and two hours from work every day so we just look for things to talk about and recently i had to go down the history route and was like so what's fascism so what's socialism to be fair it's because hamilton was on when he brought up fascist you're like like, oh i know some of these words (laughs) Yeah. yeah but we learned that his father has recently retired and has gotten a pretty nice chunk of change for it he asks aaron if this makes her uncomfortable but she says no but they better have some really good booze then when he replies that they probably won't aaron suggests that they make a stop she's like joking around trying to like work through her nerves to meet his family and he isn't reading her at all he's very like what do you mean booze my mom doesn't drink you fucking ass i don't think it's that i think it's that he's probably shielded her from his family and now he's kind of feeling like fuck i have to introduce her to my family if you're watching this the first First time through and don't realize what's happening. Fuck. I have to introduce her to my family and their dead bodies. Yeah. Uh. It's going to be an awkward night. But also my mom doesn't drink, so. Back at the home, Aubrey is cleaning up when she hears a thud coming from upstairs. Her husband, Paul, appears on the first floor and she freaks out, believing that there is someone in the house. She says, we have to get out of here and tries to get him to run outside with her. And she is absolutely fucking right. But he tries to convince her that there is no one there and that he should go up to investigate and she should just wait outside. What a dumb idea. Look, I got this little baton thing. I'll be fine. I'd probably go. I know you would. And that's what pisses me off because men. No, hold on. I was right in this situation with us. I would be right. Uh, You would be right and i'm not saying it's not stupid to do this but i also hate how horror movies will do the slow approach i'd be fucking kicking doors in running in at full force at everything whether someone's there or not well running at full force didn't work out for a character later on as we will find out that running at full force didn't make any sense though okay so (laughs) you just said you would run in at full force now it doesn't make sense to run outside at full force leaving in general didn't make sense no that was a bad idea i'm talking about running into the house which is small quarters if i'm gonna open a door i'm opening it because that's the last thing they're going to expect. They're going to be like, oh, they're going to open it slow and I'm going to get them. No, you fucking take it. And that's what Erin does later. She's not waiting for him to open the curtain. She straight up ah, hits him straight to the neck. She 
just kind of wait for him to open the curtain. To get close. She's not going to just stick her hand out and not reach him. Be like, where are you? Yeah. You're either going to take care of it or you're not. And if you're not, why are you here, sir? But this falls into the trope of never believing the wife that something sketchy is going on and it biting you in the ass later. Because Paul just grabs something to defend himself with and makes his way upstairs. He is slowly making his way through all the rooms and about to check the closet when we get a classic jump scare of Crispin grabbing him to check on him. I hate Crispin. (laughs) Anytime I'm going to mention Krispy Kreme, I'm going to be upset. And he's already inside the house. Yeah. Which is also suspicious. (laughs) Because when did this happen? When did you get in the house? Sir. With Paul just sneaking around trying to get whatever thing might be in the house and it turns out to be his son. But Aaron was already in the house or no? No. No. So how the fuck is Chris Payne in the house already? Again, suspicious. I don't like Chris Payne. Now I'm just thinking T-Pain. <laughs> I was thinking about Chris Payne. T-Pain from the beginning, actually. So okay. Now I'm picturing Chris Payne anytime he talks. This has got the auto-tune. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like what's up baby I'm just, I don't even know if I can like edit the audio but it's been like what's up baby we're supposed to take the money you weren't even supposed to be here you were supposed to be the victim but I'm gonna see if I could do it if not we're gonna this isn't this. gonna be funny yeah. Crispin informs him that mom is outside in the driveway crying and they leave but we get a lingering shot of the closet which suddenly creaks open outside paul reassures his wife that everything is fine and aubrey is like really embarrassed by this whole situation she even turns to her son like sorry i'm embarrassing you like he's a freaking teenager or something these men are like 40 years old yeah get over it after aubrey is calmed down everyone makes their way back in for the night and we get a scene of aaron and crispin settling in aaron talks about how lucky he is that a lot of people would love to have parents like his but his demeanor is very standoffish He explains that his family is odd and has been estranged for many years. This is the first time they have gotten together in a while, and it's bound to be weird. You know how this movie kind of starts off, and I mentioned this to you while we were watching it, but it starts off feeling a lot like what ready or not feels like when the family is getting together they all haven't seen each other in a while they're like we're getting together to do these things because it's tradition and everyone's kind of got their own personality they're very obviously different yeah i was thinking maybe it was something like that even ready or not is another one that i want to cover because i also really enjoy she just goes all out too but this girl at least is prepared for it exactly the difference being that ready or not she had no idea what was coming to her this chick she was ready to go in the kitchen of the home we see aubrey getting a pill for the night and she has amazing hair for going to bed i was like damn my hair doesn't even look this good during the day that's how rich people sleep they sleep ready to go because they're going to be dreaming about money you got to look good when you're dreaming about money 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 there is someone with an animal mask on watching her and we can see them through the reflection of the window which is something we're going to see used a lot in this film so these like the pet cemetery kids all grown up or what with the mask (laughs) yeah We didn't even finish that remake. And we I turned it off. One of the actresses in this is actually in that movie. <laughs> you think so? I think one of the sisters is. Yeah, I saw Pet Cemetery was one of them. Yeah, Winnie Glenn, the sister, the one who gets her neck cut, was in Pet Cemetery. Wow. Wow, look at that. We pieced it together. We did it. We figured it out. We could hang up the headphones, guys. We'll see you next year. Just kidding. You're not getting rid of us. It is the next morning, and Crispin has woken up to find that Aaron is not in bed with him. He makes his way downstairs to find her and his brother Drake and his wife Kelly. Right off the bat, his brother Drake is weird, fighting him and telling him not to kiss his wife. He plays the obnoxious big brother like 
perfectly, but like who never grew out of being the big brother. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's um, it's a little unprofessional. He's like, <clears throat> what'd you, what'd you say? What? He's like, what, what? I oh, I would fight him. <laughs> yeah, your brothers just throw hands. Just fucking tell each other the truth. I don't know. Be a man. Just fight your brother. Because he immediately begins to talk about when Crispin was fat, and it's just an awkward, tense conversation. And then they start to be like, I'm not fat. My head's just round. <laughs> I just have a round face. It's, it's clearly siblings grown up. And it's a believable dynamic. I will give it to the characters. Apparently a lot of this was ad-libbed. I guess that's why it's considered mumble gore, which is why <laughs> I was like, I'll give it to them. We have a moment where Aaron goes off and she discovers a family portrait. And in this portrait, every single family member looks like they hate each other. They really do. Mom and dad aren't even sitting near each other. I think Aubrey's the only one smiling, kinda. She looks worried more than smiling. I will at least say that Aubrey and Paul do look like they love each other. And they've been together for a long time celebrating their 30th anniversary. Their kids all suck. But why are they all sitting so far apart from each other? Because you got to take an awkward family portrait. This is going to be our next Christmas card. Where we show we don't love each other? Yeah, we're just going to put me and you six feet apart. Is this a family photo or a COVID photo? No, it's (laughs) our Christmas card. (laughs) Christmas COVID card, because we're all six feet apart. Yeah. I hit my tooth really hard on this wine glass. We're going to take you back to the dentist. Yeah, we went to the dentist today and it was very cute because my hygienist said she listens to our podcast. Shout out to Sandra. And this is what I like about this movie, that it depicts each character and the family dynamics and what they truly want. Because Aaron, from the beginning, talks about valuing family a lot. And we later find out why that's the case. Because seeing this photo, she's very focused in on Aubrey. So much so that she goes to the kitchen and asks her if she needs help with anything. Aubrey's a little awkward, kind of brushing her off at first, but then has a moment where she says that they ran out of milk and if Aaron could go ask the neighbor for some, she would just have to walk up the road a little bit. No. (laughs) There's a car. You could go to the grocery store. I don't know. These houses are not that close to each other. It's one thing you brought up Denver where we were staying and the cabins were kind of close. But like you could see those. This is like you're in a forest and the nearest house is a walk away. Not next door. I don't know where I'm going. No, I'm going to tell Krispy Kreme to go get the milk. And, and you I'm go get it. Your mom says she wants milk. Bye. But I get Erin. She's trying to get in good with the mom. It's the first time that she's met the family. She's making an effort. Between this interaction, I feel like it's clear that Aubrey is uneasy and wants to let the neighbors know that they're there with the events that had happened the night before. Erin makes her way outside where she finds Paul, Krispy Kreme, and Drake all working on something. She finds this interaction very cute and stops to take a picture of the men. One of them invites her to stay and join them for a drink, but she explains that she has to go find milk for Barbara. She leaves, giving Paul and Crispin a moment to themselves as Drake has also excused himself to go check on his wife. This is where you see the kind of awkward tension between father and son. Paul asks Crispin about a fellowship that he was applying for and Crispin kind of awkwardly tells him that he didn't get it because he hasn't been published in a while and Paul's not impressed. He does the very typical dad thing of like, well, other people got it without being published. Yeah. It's also that thing that we see often where it's like the one kid who's son to some rich man who got his money through like being a lawyer or something. Like he's a writer, right? He's a professor, yeah. I mean, he ain't no Ethan Hawke in Sinister. Right. 
making millions off of dead people. Right, 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 right. So, just saying. Chris Payne is uh, fucking suspicious. I'd be suspicious. If I was rich as fuck and my kid was poor and, like, telling me, hey, I've failed. But also, I got a girlfriend and I'm, like, trying my best. I'd still be a little suspicious. I don't know. I don't know. If I had money, I'd be suspicious that everyone was trying to kill me. Not just my kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> just <laughs> Thank God we're poor. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, someone's trying to kill me for my money. All $2 of it. And it's a $2 bill, not one. It's together. Yeah, your kids are going to kill you for that. With this economy? Yes, they might. We cut to Drake, who has gone upstairs to talk to his wife, who has just gotten out of the shower. They're talking shit about Aaron and her accent. Yeah, what a piece of shit, these people. They are not the best. The entire time, Drake is trying to seduce his wife, and she is just not here for it. Instead, he walks off pissed and asks her if she has any Vicodin. You ever been so mad that your wife turned you down? You need to start doing drugs? It's funny that these people are involved with VHS because this is literally the scene from the motel. Are these men okay? (laughs) Do they keep getting turned down for sex from their wives and suspect they're lesbians because of it? Oh, did we just find out what's happening with these people? Is this man okay? Anna Wingard? (laughs) Are you okay? You all right? Let us know. We go to Erin making her way up the road to the neighbors. She makes it to the house and knocks for a while, but loud music is blaring from the home. This song is kind of the anthem for this movie. It's called Looking for the Magic and it plays on loop the entire time. Inside, we can see that someone has propped up the body of Eric on the sofa. But since no one answers, Aaron just decides to leave. I mean, what are you gonna do? They're clearly having a party. I mean... Can't hear you over the loud music. I wouldn't have been there in the first place, so... You would have gone to the store. <laughs> I would have gone to the store. <laughs> so, this is a very millennial comment to make, but milk is such a, like, very personal decision because not everyone drinks milk. Some people are into almond milk. Some people are into oat milk. Lactate. Like, yes. Like, it's a very <laughs> personal choice. You can't expect people to accommodate for you. Aubrey, how old are you? You still aren't lactose intolerant? Like <laughs> That's <rest> amazing. <laughs> Milk is what's keeping her hair looking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not saying drinking it. She's just pouring milk. Just pouring it on her hair, probably. That's what rich people do. Pour milk on their heads instead of shower. Aaron's like, here's your gallon of milk. And she's She's like, like, oh, oh, thank you. And she takes it. (laughs) It pours it on her head right (laughs) there. It's later that night and the rest of Krispy Kreme's siblings have arrived. We get introduced to Amy and Felix along with their partners, Z and Tariq. She looks like Olivia Wilde in Tron. The she really does. Yeah. Tariq is played by Ty West, which we mentioned earlier. Everyone makes their way inside. What do you think of his acting? So he plays a douche and he plays him well. He does. <laughs> He's even got the pretentious scarf. mid-2000 scarf on. The infinity scarf for men? The hipster scarf, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was him, but you were like, hey, it's Ty West. I was like, oh, shit, okay. If you look at him in every scene where he's in the background, he's kind of just like making himself small. You know, like that mm-hmm. socially awkward thing? that you do when you're like just in the way so you just try to make yourself small you bring your shoulders together your hands are touching your crotch you're kind of just like is that what you do in awkward situations you just touch your crotch making myself small okay (laughs) i gotta cover the biggest part of me obviously (laughs) yes i might knock the hors off the table okay the horde of wars the horde race eric's always had an issue with how that word is spelled Why the fuck is it hors d'oeuvres? It's literally spelled hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. When our wedding was supposed to be a big party on actual Halloween, we thought about serving hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. Everyone gets ushered inside and we see that Amy, she seems to be like the baby of the family. And she's the only girl, you know? She looks the part. Once they make their way inside and wine has been poured, Aubrey thanks them all for being there on their anniversary and tells them that it really means a lot to them. And this is when I felt so bad for these parents. 
Because they're trying. And this is the reason that we've talked about in the past that like having kids is like scary. They might plan to murder you for your money one day. I literally just said that they're going to steal my fucking shit for $2. They're going to take my $2. People have been murdered for less. They really have. Erin finds this very cute and just gushes about how much she loves Krispy Kreme's mom. When you first watch this, you get the impression that she is just trying to get in good with Crispin and his family. But when you find out how she was raised and stuff, it's like a sad comment to watch later on. Yeah, because she never felt that. Yeah. She got the worst side of someone who is paranoid about the end of the world. But he ended up being right a little bit. I'm just saying. I saw an email where it was like, you could buy a doomsday bunker. So we're looking for a house. Mm, mm. Oh, you mean we're not raising our kids in survivalist compounds? We could raise them in a doomsday bunker that's like 12 stories deep into the ground. That works. And then they'll never get sunlight and then they'll be vampires. They'll be straight up the descendants. The creatures from the descent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The descendants. The descendants. <laughs> kids of villains from Disney movies. That would be interesting. It really would. <laughs> they sit down to dinner and it takes zero. 0.1 seconds before Drake starts being a dick to everyone. He picks on Tariq for being an indie filmmaker, which is really funny when you watch it and know who Ty West is. <laughs> yeah. When he's done messing with him, he turns his attention to Aaron and Chris Payne because I kind of get the sense that he's a little jealous of their dynamic and their relationship because he's watching them joke around and be cute. His wife literally was like, ew, you're gross. I don't want you around me like an hour earlier. He starts making comments about how Crispin and Aaron's relationship is kind of inappropriate since we learn that Aaron used to be his TA. But once they discovered that they had feelings for each other, they stopped that immediately. She doesn't make sense to be with him, though. She seems like someone who would not have ended up here. You think, like, her instincts should have been better about him? Hey, men are deceiving. Other than that they, like, get along, we don't get much of their relationship and how he would have ended up with her. I feel like this dinner scene is the most we get out of their relationship. They're very jokey and just laughing. Possibly they just have a good time with each other and it hasn't gone to anything beyond that. The honeymoon phase? I don't know, because it seems like they live together i guess you have to assume that aaron is just like wishful thinking she's like he comes from a money with family but he seems different well it seems like he is kind of cut off right because again we later learn that aaron's bartending while she's in school and they're both working class people this is enough to get everyone screaming at each other the table erupts and everyone accusing each other of the most ridiculous things and if you actually pay attention to this scene drake is saying that everyone is jealous of him <laughs> he plays the typical like firstborn where he kisses up to his parents all the time but he's a dick to his siblings and as this goes on everyone's like true feelings come out about each other Tariq, however looks incredibly bored to the point where he's staring out the window and he has seemed to notice something strange would not happen i don't know you don't tune out when you're at your spouse's parties and look out the window and notice what is that someone with a crossbow out of fucking nowhere in the middle of the night in the forest Let where me no light is outside <laughs> Go to the window and check this out better. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But he makes his way to the window. He can't even get a word out before he gets an arrow through the head. One by one, the party guests start to realize exactly what has happened and start panicking. It takes Krispy Kreme the longest to notice because he's just going in on his older brother. In the chaos, everyone 
is screaming and Erin is immediately telling everyone to get down, get away from the windows. She goes into straight like logic mode. Drake is trying to protect his mom who seems to just be in the middle of the room screaming and in reaching her gets shot in the back with an arrow. Which is good for him because like he's a piece of shit like older brother. But he's the only one who thought of his mom. Yeah. At least that redeems him a little bit. And I told you I had a concern with Drake's character surviving as long as he did because I was like he doesn't die early on just to die anyway later in a really like dumb fashion and it's just to present obviously that felix is gonna show that he's betraying his family but like okay you could have had him do it sooner i don't know it makes me care less about drake because i thought drake at some point either one was gonna be in on it and that's why he was acting the way he was and kept surviving quote unquote mm-hmm. or maybe that's it maybe it's a red herring it's like you think drake's it in could on be, it yeah it was either that or he was gonna end up helping aaron which i guess would have taken away from aaron so no i take that back i guess it's fine you I talked just, to yourself out of it well because i just hate how long he lasts if he's gonna die anyway everyone begins to try to call 911, but no one's phone is working Felix says that they might be using a jammer or a cell phone blocker. He says that they are illegal, but you could get it for 30 bucks on the internet. Who said that again? Felix. Another piece of shit that I said is sketchy from day one. Interesting thing to note, Felix and Z are immediately separated from the rest of the group. When the arrow is shot, Felix grabs Z and runs to an area that is safe while everyone is still near the windows. How do you know that, Felix? How do you know? How do you know it's $30? Why do you know, Felix? They're gonna know. Why do you know? (laughs) Drake calls Felix a lowlife saying he's not surprised that he's into sketchy shit. Aaron brings everyone back to reality, telling them to grab a chair to cover themselves and leave the room with all the windows. Everyone makes their way across the room to a safe location, grabbing the chairs as Aaron has instructed, leaving Aaron to be the last one. She grabs a fire poker to protect herself and a chair, and as she makes her way across the room, the chair is shot. She throws the chair immediately and dives to the safest room. The interesting part on that is that the arrow still went through. None of those people were actually safe, and it's just by a hair, literally, that she doesn't hit with it. Because had she held it a little higher or lower, it could have gone through her face. Listen, I am not smart. I do not understand weaponry. I think the idea is that the chairs are so padded that it would catch the arrow, and even if it did do damage, it would be minimal damage. That arrow went pretty far (laughs) into that chair. (laughs) The family is trying to pull the arrow from Drake's back, as an argument breaks out whether it's safer to leave it in or take it out. Like Stewie. From yeah. <laughs> That's all I could think about during yeah. the scene. They start discussing what they should do next when Felix suggests that someone should make a run for it to get help. Felix is the one who suggested that? That fucking makes mm-hmm. sense. He would. Fucking if you, asshole. again, on second watch, notice all the things that Felix suggests, it's setting a lot of things into motion. The siblings are arguing about who is faster and who didn't get enough of mommy and daddy's love. And then Amy is like, y'all never consider me for anything. But Amy is determined to prove herself. Felix hypes her up as she prepares to make a run for it. We're afraid of the windows and suddenly we're not afraid of the windows because she like goes all the way to the opposite side of the room where Tariq got shot. That's where she gets her head start. I would just open the door and run. And then I'd probably see the wire because it's right there. I don't know. I don't know if I would see the wire. It's nighttime. It's a pretty thick wire. It's not. It's a very thin like fishing wire. It's metal and it's shiny. Okay, well, it's not daylight. It's also not the track, so you shouldn't get a head start. Okay, but who tells her to get a head start? Felix? Yeah. He's like, they're not going to suspect if you come out running. This scene is so drawn out and dramatic that you keep waiting for the bad thing to happen. Amy runs out at 
full force and runs straight into a wire that cuts her throat open. She bleeds to death on the floor as everyone watches and crowds her, screaming helpless. It is actually very heartbreaking because I feel like Barbara gives a really good performance of yelling, my baby. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my god. Erin has no time to process this. She just runs upstairs and she is in crisis mode. Krispy Kreme follows her and asks her, what is she doing? She is locking all the doors and windows and is even trying to text 911, saying that in some places they will receive it as a voicemail she just needs to get a signal to get it out they go back downstairs with the rest of the family where aaron continues to lock everything up chris payne comments that he's never seen her act like this before and she says well it's kind of a unique situation (laughs) which is fair felix keeps insisting that someone run out and get help but aaron thinks that the best plan is to stay inside Paul is helping Aubrey get into bed, but she is just devastated from the loss of Amy. She gets into bed and asks him to stay with her, but he insists that he needs to help the kids. Why wouldn't everyone stay together? Mom wants to go lay down. We're all going to the room. Felix is like, we need to leave. No, we really don't. We really don't, Felix. You go. You can go. You keep insisting someone run. She's alone in the room crying, and we get this shot of the entire room Simply so we can see a hand crawl out from under the bed and make its way out. We see one of the intruders pop up wearing a wolf mask. She only realizes this at the last minute as the stranger lifts his machete to her. She screams and we cut to everyone downstairs having heard the scream. They rush upstairs, but Aaron is left alone in the kitchen. Honestly thought that she was going to last longer. I didn't because she is a well-recognized actor. They probably only had her for like a week. They rush upstairs, but Aaron is left alone in the kitchen. She is searching for weapons and locking windows when one of the masked strangers punches through the window and grabs her by the hair. They struggle for a second when Aaron plunges one of the kitchen knives into the attacker's arm and is able to escape. Plunges. Plunges. Love that. <laughs> Love that for her. She reaches for another weapon but realizes that the attacker has left. Back upstairs, everyone has rushed up to discover Aubrey's body with your necks written in blood on the wall. Paul doesn't take it well and has to escape the room. Really sad for Paul because they clearly loved each other. That's what I mean is sad about these parents. Their kids are just shit. He has to be escorted out by his sons, leaving Kelly to be the only one in the room. She observes the crime scene and tries to cover the body with a blanket, but as she tries to leave, she realizes that she hears something strange in the room. I would not investigate because she is looking out the window, looking everywhere, hears the sound, and goes to look under the bed. That's none of my business. Again, slow approach. Slow approach is not In your the favor. way to go. No, if you're looking to see, is there someone under the bed? You're going to do it from a distance. You're going to do it fast. And if there's something there, you're going to fucking kill them. So this is how I guess you can tell this entire family has had privilege all their lives. They hear someone scream upstairs and they don't immediately grab a weapon to make their way upstairs. There's a lot of things wrong. With Why this. don't you have a weapon? I don't care how privileged you are. You have to be prepared. You need to carry a weapon at all times. Especially if you got money. I don't know. It's like literally having money 101 is protect yourself because someone's going to take it i mean i would say not having money 101 is also protecting yourself it's just basic human instinct (laughs) we've made it this far because of it hearing the strange sound she looks under the bed to investigate and comes face to face with one of the killers this causes her to run from the room screaming not even just the room she completely passes felix 
Crispin and Drake consoling their father and just runs completely out of the house. (laughs) I don't blame her. Fuck these people. And your issues. This is not my fight. Drake chases after her, but when he makes his way out the door, he snags his shoulder on the arrow on the wire that his sister has killed herself on. What a complicated sentence. Frustrated and in a lot of pain from this, he pulls it out from his back, causing him to bleed a ton and pass out. The group pulls him back into the house when Z suggests they all try to run like Kelly. If Drake had acted dead the entire time, do you think they'd have killed him? No, he would have survived. They would have been like, he already has a wound. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's another survival strategy. Chris Payne decides he will try to make a run for it since the rest of the family is in no condition to make a run for it. He convinces Aaron that this is the right move and for her to bunker down with the rest of them until he can make it back. No, you would have told me no. Oh, bitch, I would have told you to stay your ass inside. We just saw your sister die by trying Running to run outside. outside. Yeah, he yeah. made it to the cars, which was his plan. And you pointed out immediately when we were watching this, why wouldn't you suspect that the killer has cut your brake lines, cut the engine, like done something to the car to not make you be able to escape? They put a fucking line out for me to get my face cut if I ran out. They're going to cut my lines in the car. Meanwhile, Kelly has made it to the neighbor's house screaming and just running. And she is begging to be like in she sees eric's body propped up on the couch but can't see any of his actual wounds she is screaming at him to let her in when she sees the masked figure walking up behind her through the glass window the attacker punches her so hard that she crashes through the glass door she is crawling her way to the neighbor when she realizes that he has been murdered she is caught and pushed through a glass table just because she hasn't been put through enough before the attacker drives an axe through her face. He even like preps for it. Like he's golfing. Yeah. I fucking hate golf, by the way. Especially if you do it like this. Murdering people? Yes. Rich people would. You know, isn't there that whole like, I don't know if it's an urban legend, but that rich people hunt other people for sport. That's what the purge is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it basically is. Exhausted, the killer takes a seat next to the propped up dead neighbor's body. As the record starts to play from the beginning, the killer in the masks tilts his head like Michael Myers, <laughs> looking at his handiwork. Confused. Or proud. At this point, we haven't seen what the actual killers look like or... Or know what their motives actually are. Back at the home, Crispin has made his way back after realizing that his car has been messed with. He informs the others, but says that he didn't see anyone and he is going to try and make a break for it for help, since it seems like Kelly has made it. He is either going to try to get signal or reach the neighbors. Once again, Aaron is not happy about this plan and doesn't want him to go. She hands him a butcher knife. A cleaver. A cleaver. A meat cleaver. A meat cleaver. She hands him a meat cleaver so he can go out and meat cleave his way out. Meat cleave your way through life. (laughs) That's how I do it. I don't think I've ever actually held a meat cleaver, by the way. I feel like those are like for butchers, very specifically for butchers. What's the circle for? Yeah, what is it for? If you're a butcher, let us know. Once he leaves, Aaron takes charge of the situation, asking what the best room for them to hide in is. When Felix suggests the basement, she responds saying that that is the worst place you want to be. Someone could literally light a match, throw some gasoline down there, and they'd be done, which is... How do you know that, Felix? Why are you suggesting that, Felix? Explaining this, she then realizes that she left a pot of boiling water on. She goes to turn it off and collect a bunch of weapons from the kitchen and returns to the living room. As she's making her way back, one of the mass attackers breaks through the window by throwing Kelly's dead body at it, which is just 
pretty hardcore. Does he like step on her to go in? Kind of, right? Or I her body that. like moves because he's just making his way inside. Also, what? Way Why? to make an entrance. This is a very, again, Michael Myers type move. <laughs> well, because if they're just like random killer dudes for money. They're having Why? fun with it. Yeah, the house wasn't that close. So you not only had to follow her to kill her, you chose to bring her body back with you for funsies. For the dramatics. The shock of this causes Aaron to fall in slow-mo, dropping everything as the attacker is getting ready to take a swing at her with an axe. She rolls to her side, avoiding it as the attacker brings it down. Axes are just not reasonable weapons for fighting. Seems like a lot of muscle strength that you need. Well, and the area of attack is very tiny. She rolls back over to kick the attacker square in the nuts. She grabs a meat tenderizer, which she just dropped, and proceeds to beat the living shit out of the attacker. Like, I'm talking double, triple taps. Good. She knows the rules of horror movies. Good. Good for her. She makes sure that he is dead. Z and Felix cower in the corner (laughs) of the room watching this unfold. Aaron takes off the attacker's mask and asks them if they recognize him. She lifts his head and is like, you know this guy? And Felix says, it's kind of hard to tell now. It's really judgy, Felix. She just saved your life. Good. Because if it was recognizable, I'd keep going. I feel like this is the moment that we realize this isn't your typical home invasion movie. This is when it shifts. Like, you get hints of Aaron being very competent, but this is when you're like, oh, shit, she is, like, trained in combat. She is ready to go. After Aaron beats the living shit out of this guy, she's like, hey, where's your dad? Just casual. (laughs) He's next. Paul is upstairs where he has discovered that the killer has been camping out in their closet all night. Hey, he finds a bottle of pee. Uh, It's gross, but if you would have listened to Opry, you would have known that already. Just saying, listen to Barbara. Barbara knows what's happening. She's been in enough horror movies. Look, she knows how to take care of her skin she knows how to look young she knows what she's doing that's all you need to know apparently as soon as he discovers this the power goes out Aaron is sent downstairs to look for the power box while z and felix go look for paul when they find him paul confesses what he just found saying that this isn't a random attack but it's too late an attacker has snuck up behind him and slit his throat he reaches for felix for help But Z and him just look startled. They don't look startled. Just staring. He is very grossed out, at least, that his father has reached out for him with his own blood and touches him. His father then dies in one of the worst ways where he literally crashes into everything before finally (laughs) dying. His death is very dramatic with a close-up on his face. It almost seemed like he realized what was going on in the last minutes of his life. Which is Based off his son reaction. Yeah, like it'd be better if he died without knowing. That's just so sad. The killer casually comes up to Felix and Z, and Felix is annoyed. He turns to him and says, Really? You had to do that in front of me? This is when the killer takes out one of his earbuds and says, you said something? (laughs) I'm sorry. And he's like, forget about it. I just have to go wash up. It also removes the menacing side of the killers. They're just some dudes for hire. And that's it. But it still leaves you wanting more for Aaron because you're like, all right, these are just regular dudes. They're not Michael Myers invincible. They're not like some people with some crazy motive. It's just regular dudes who ended up fucking with the wrong person. Downstairs, Aaron is searching the basement for more weapons when an attacker enters the living room and discovers the body of the other attacker. He completely freaks out and flips a table, alerting Aaron to his location. This gives her enough time to grab another weapon as the attacker grieves. Unfortunately for her, he seems to hear her and goes all hears Johnny on the basement door. Luckily for her, Drake has woken up and walked in on the attack. 
distracting the attacker long enough for Aaron to plunge a screwdriver into his back. The attacker decides that two against one just isn't fair and runs out of the house. Fucking leaves. Yeah, he just assessed the situation and is like, no. Drake asks for Kelly and Aaron lies to him about where his wife is. Just then, Felix and Z run downstairs saying that Paul is fine. But they stayed upstairs because they heard the commotion. Aaron instructs them to grab weapons from the basement, but tells them to not take too long. She then begins to show Z how to create a booby trap, which is just hammering some nails through a board and leaving the board face up. When Z asks her basically what we all want to know, where did you learn all this? Erin explains that she grew up on a survivalist compound. She says that her dad was a real paranoid man that thought that all the world's resources would be gone in a matter of years. And he just wanted to be sure that his daughter growing up would know how to take care of herself. Z gives her this look that's like, that's great. That's real fucking great. Good for you. Yeah. I hope you're happy and healthy, bitch. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like a damn sociopath. (laughs) In the basement, Felix and Drake are collecting weapons. As Drake asks, for Krispy Kreme's whereabouts. Felix informs him that he ran out after Kelly, and Drake tells him that he needs to go search for his wife. Confused by this statement, Felix informs him that Kelly is dead, and her body is laying upstairs on the floor. Right before this, Erin also takes a moment to cover her body, Mm -hmm. and is like, we don't want Drake to see it. And then downstairs, Felix is like, she's dead, though. She's fucking dead. Drake is shocked, and Felix tries to apologize for giving him this horrible news, but Drake is pissed, yelling at Felix to just shut up. Felix, annoyed by this, just stabs him and apologizes, but continues to grab more weapons to just stab him. How many screwdrivers do they have? I only have one. They have like seven that they drive into Drake. So we learn that the father is like remodeling this house and he's actually hired people to do it. So I imagine the people who were working on the house just left all their tools laying around. I don't know. Eight screwdrivers is suspicious. If these people didn't do it, the workers were going to do it. We're going to murder them. Too many screwdrivers. He stabs him multiple times, but Drake just doesn't go down that easily. Not until Felix yells, would you just die already? This is hard enough for me. This is so hard for me. Poor baby. I've met that kind of person. And it's not until that that he collapses to the ground. Back upstairs, Aaron is setting up the booby traps outside the windows. Well, inside the windows, I guess. Z picks one up and kind of contemplates just attacking Aaron. But she thinks about it way too long because Aaron turns around in time to grab the booby trap from her. Oh, thanks. Thanks for passing it over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. I I needed that. And she's like, yeah, sure. It's cool. It's cool. (laughs) Aaron decides to go check on Paul and leave Z to set up more traps in the living room. Aaron makes her way upstairs and discovers the body of Paul. As she is taking in the scene, one of the mass attackers makes his way into the room. She hears him, however, and quickly throws a meat tenderizer at him. And without hesitation, straight up, Sally from Texas Chainsaw Massacre style throws herself from a second story window. She went to final girl survival school. Did she need to do that? I think she could have taken care of the guy right then and there. And I think they needed to do this because otherwise Aaron would seem too OP. Possibly. She had to wound herself. Yeah. Because had she not done this... They stood no chance. Ain't nothing gonna stop her. No, honestly, what were they gonna do? What were they gonna do? She crashes to the ground, and we notice that she has a shard of glass stuck in her thigh. But she has no time to think about this as the attacker looks from the window to see where she has escaped to. I like this effect. It's creepy. Yeah. Because it's just the house, and then it's just like... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, his face. Yeah. Very um, Michael Myers. We've already said this. But mask, yeah. The shape. He is looking for where she landed and is on his way to her when she is running through the woods trying to hide. When she kind of gets to a good secluded area, she pulls out the biggest shard of glass <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. It's so fucking big. Why the fuck is it so big? She has no time to recover because another attacker has spotted her in the woods and is aiming his crossbow at her. She is able to run slash limp back into the house and lock the doors behind her and grab a piece of fabric to bind her injured leg. She hides as the attacker in the woods makes his way back into the house. He sees the booby traps and kind of laughs them off as silly and childish. And he doesn't see the one placed directly under the window. He confidently <laughs> jumps down full body weight onto a nail. This is one of those Home Alone moments. Ha ha ha, fucking stupid kid. I'm gonna get you anyway. Booby trap goes off. Very much so. He screams and Z and Felix are able to hear him from upstairs in their parents' bedroom. Well, not their parents' bedroom. Felix's parents where they have decided to hide out. One of the attackers is with them and Felix instructs him to go check out the noise since that's what they're paying him for. Felix laments that this night has been a disaster. Z tries to comfort him with some sexy time, but he says he's not really in the mood. But she's really into the idea of doing it on the bed next to the body of his dead mom. Yo, Z's a fucking freak. I mean, she's got her kinks. Do me in front of your dead mom yeah, right no. now. You down or what? How did he meet Z? Because Z seems more into killing his family than he is. Well, Seriously. I understand being like, all right, look, we're going to kill your family and we're going to get all this money. But it's different when it's like, we're going to kill your family we're gonna get all this money but also do me in every shape form and fashion on top of your dead family's bodies however felix is not having it she literally says god you never want to do anything fun or spontaneous and he's like i don't think that's a fair criticism i kind of agree with felix on that one so instead she just steals jewelry off of his mom's corpse she pretends to hold the ring it's an engagement ring it's cute downstairs the two attackers are dealing with the booby trap when felix comes down and yells at them for getting their dna everywhere the one dude takes his shoe off and it's like spilling blood listen aaron has literally butchered one of these people already and has their dna everywhere they're gonna get caught especially since we find out that that attacker was brother to this attacker and felix is like i didn't i didn't know who i didn't special know to you i'm just paying you the fucking money i don't give a shit about y'all so i apologize if it's confusing that we keep saying attackers but literally they are not named until the last two are left could we have done a better job yes Doesn't is matter. that why you're here no the attacker with the lamb mask says he'll clean it up just like how he has to clean up the whole mess this comment makes Felix pretty upset. He says that none of this is his fault and that he had to stab his own brother multiple times because they kept getting beat up by some girl. All right, Felix. They aren't aware that Aaron is still in hiding and can hear this whole conversation. The attacker with the lamb mask is pissed, saying that that is his brother, the one lying dead in the living room. And he actually liked his brother, unlike Felix. You should have been better at your job and then maybe one of y'all wouldn't be dead. Felix is a jerk about this and the attacker lunges at him, saying he should just kill him. Felix says he will pay him double what he was originally paying him, giving him his brother's cut as well. 400000 instead of 200000 200000 is not enough to kill someone it, for. It really isn't. 
four hundred thousand is not enough to kill someone. It really, for. Is not. So that begs the que- that pegs the question: How much is enough to kill a person? I don't know. On live podcast TV, let us know. Tweet us, <laughs> Vivi. How much is enough to kill a person? Not enough because I'm not active enough to be able to do this. That would mean I would have to lose like forty pounds, get really good at it. And then be able to kill someone. Because you got to be in shape. These guys did not train enough, clearly. That's what a murderer would say. Is it? I'm just saying you got to pay me for all that time. He goes on to say that he's going to offer them an extra 100k (laughs) if they finish the job just right now. The attackers agree to these terms. And at that moment, Aaron's phone goes off, notifying her that her emergency text was finally sent. The attacker with the wolf mask goes off to find her to finally finish the job. He closes in on her, but Aaron is on the other side of her hiding place, ready to strike. She's like, nope. As he pulls back the curtains, she palm strikes him right in the throat, knocking him back. Felix Z and the attacker chase after her as she runs outside, but she has snuck her way right back into the home through the kitchen window. The lamb mess attacker catches wind of her plan and searches for her by sticking his head through that window. This proves to be the wrong move as Aaron is ready for them and she plunges a kitchen knife right into his head. He tumbles backwards before finally collapsing. It's a very dramatic way to pass out as well. This guy was all talk. He was like, I'm the boss, but I'll so I'm gonna die right away. (laughs) As he collapses, Aaron picks up the axe that he just had with him. And this is where we get the titular shot of the movie of Aaron in the window holding the axe. The ultimate final girl pose. Love it. Aaron continues to limp through the house, collecting more supplies as some Stranger Things ass music starts to play in the house. (laughs) In the house, someone's watching Stranger Things all of a sudden in 2011. (laughs) Aaron puts the record on and is like, this is my fucking house. This is my murder soundtrack, bitch. I will fucking end you. Some Stranger Things music starts to play as she home alones a deadly trap for the front door. Outside, Felix Z and the remaining attacker are searching for her. Felix is freaking out, thinking that the cops are already on their way and that they could find Aaron before they do. We learn that the attacker's name is Tom, and he tells everyone to calm down, that she is injured and can't make it that far. If they don't see her down the road, they should make their way back to the house. He says he's returning to the home to look for Craig, which we learn is the lamb-masked attacker. But Felix demands Tom leave him with a weapon. He gives him his crossbow and informs him that there are only two bows left and to make them count. Aaron is admiring her handiwork when Tom sneaks back into the house, but not through the front door like she had hoped. She runs into the basement, making sure to knock all the lights out as she goes. This scene reminds me so much of My Bloody Valentine. Yes. <laughs> This kill is really cool. Aaron went straight It's a really good kill. Come at me, bro. It's my second favorite kill of this movie. Tom follows after her, setting off a bunch of camera flashes as he goes. In between the camera flashes, we see Tom approach Aaron. Aaron uses the lights and confusion to attack him, and we see her bash his head in with a brick. I think we need to take a pause to talk about that flashing cameras kill because it is drawn out but it is worth it i hate when movies draw out scenes that are not worth it she has used the camera earlier on in the movie but you didn't know that that was going to come back later because i feel like when things come back later in movies they're super heavily emphasized but this was like very subtle now that the killers have kind of revealed like shit's going wrong they continue to wear the mask and it's like the masks don't make sense anymore she knows you're all in on it yeah i can't imagine the mask is helping with the camera 
Because <laughs> yeah, at one point he like reaches for his face, but he doesn't take the mask off at any point. I just love that we see this kill between flashes because the screen goes dark on our end as well. It's good stuff. Good stuff. She slowly makes her way back upstairs and goes to pick up a weapon when Felix shoots at her through the window. Z goes after her with a crossbow as Felix goes to turn off the scrambler that he has left in his car and grab a pocket knife. I thought he was pulling out like an actual weapon. I was going to say, let your girlfriend go after this woman who is very clearly good at murdering other people by herself. Oh, are you saying that Z can't handle herself? No, I'm saying that Aaron has proven that she is too much for everybody (laughs) and they need to be smarter. Z makes her way into the home and enters the kitchen. Aaron knocks the crossbow out of her hands and begins to take her down. As Felix walks in on the girls fighting and sees that Aaron is still alive, he yells, fuck he's clearly an amateur because he's getting taken down like an average person she kicks a door in his face he's like ah yeah well she throws a pot of no longer boiling water at him (laughs) but it's been hours since she turned the stove off felix yells it's not even hot you dumb bitch and immediately slips and falls in the water z takes this distraction and bites aaron in the hand to get away from her but Aaron doesn't miss a beat and grabs a pan off the stove to bash Z across the head. This is all stuff that I always think about in horror movies that like people don't ever think about. Just use everything in sight, honestly. While she is down, Felix tries to lunge at Aaron, but she stops him by kicking the kitchen door into him. As he goes down, Z jumps up onto Aaron's back, but Aaron slams her against the wall to get her off. She turns around and starts strangling Z, but Felix has gotten up and grabbed his pocket knife and used it to stab Aaron in the back like the little bitch he is. This causes her to let go of Z and turn her attention to Felix. She grabs a blender and smashes it over his head, causing glass to shatter everywhere. This kill is awesome too. I fucking love this. Felix is knocked down and Aaron proceeds to jam the blades of the blender into Felix's head and turns it on. The first time I saw this, I knew it was coming, but I still watched it through my fingers like, oh my God, she's going to do it. She's going to do it, but I have to watch it. She blends Felix. Felix's brains. Z watches the whole thing and tries to get up to attack Aaron. I would have fucking randomly, no. Like, I'm done. Clearly, you win. It's not even (laughs) worth it anymore. She tries to attack Aaron, but Aaron simply pulls the knife out of her back, rotates it, and stabs Z straight in the head. With both now dead, Aaron takes a minute to catch her breath, slumping down between the two bodies. It's a pretty good scene. (laughs) I want to point out, this entire time, I did not stop thinking about the front door and i was like i know something's happening with that either Krispy cream comes back with help and then gets killed and she gets framed because she's too good at what she does or the cops get killed and then something happens and the entire time you're like well Krispy cream hasn't come back there's no way he survived if he's not in on it or he's gonna come back and get killed by Aaron. and then yeah. it's this whole tragic thing but as she is sitting there catching her breath we're sorry if your name is Crispian. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not talking shit about you. We're talking shit about this guy. To be sure. We hear Felix's phone ring and Aaron decides to answer. She doesn't say anything and we hear Crispin's voice ask Felix if it's all over. He said his signal went back on and he's assuming that it's all done. Aaron only listens as Krispy Kreme explains that he just couldn't go through with it because he's a pacifist, obviously, especially after seeing what had happened to their mother. You had to have known, dude. He says he just can't deal with that violent stuff. He tells Felix he's coming inside because it's cold and enters through the window. 
He takes in the crazy scene in the living room. He says Felix's name on the phone one more time. I can hear you breathing. You're breathing kind of heavy, actually. <laughs> you good? But he turns around to see Aaron holding Felix's phone. He looks surprised to see her. She's holding a knife, and Crispin asks her where Felix is. He takes a minute to realize that she was the one listening to it. Because he puts time. the phone down, and he's just like, oh. oh, good. Uh, You're here. Where is everybody? Where's Felix? Yeah. Why do you have... Oh, Crispin asks where Felix is, and she explains that she stuck a blender in his head and killed him. Just casually, you know. Krispy Kreme's back this entire time. He's like, oh. Oh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay, That's cool. Well, what, about, uh, what about Z? He seems a little surprised, but just says, okay. She tells him that she can't believe that he was in on it and that she could have died. He explains that that was never part of their plan, that she was supposed to survive to be a witness, her and Z. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, where is he? And she explains that she killed her as well. He apologizes for things getting out of control, but how were they supposed to know that she was really good at killing people? We were supposed to be the craziest pieces of shit, but you were actually crazier than us pieces of shit, so what the fuck? You never know. This is so gaslighting. Like, it's actually (laughs) your fault for surviving. You just shouldn't have survived in the first place. He says if she reacted Normally, she would have been untouched, and they would have had been rich. Bitch. He even goes on to explain that she could have quit her job, and they could have traveled, possibly even an engagement, like all women want. He says there is a silver lining. He is now the sole inheritor of his parents' estate. He tells her that the logical thing to do would be to continue on with the plan, for them to have a better life and not waste all the death that has happened that night. The entire time, he has been walking towards her slowly no. don't move even if i wasn't she no, killed everybody she, dude. she's literally the only person standing alive and you hired someone to kill everybody and it wasn't her i'm a pacifist though yeah yeah i don't believe in violence so she's not gonna kill me because like she loves me you know obviously got the world's biggest d that's why i'm here she ain't gonna murder me if i'm murdering that pussy every <laughs> night you know <laughs> he doesn't seem like he'd be good at that no, actually he doesn't. his hairline says it all <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry if i'm sorry like his I'm sure you're fine. If you're listening to our show, you're probably not a piece of shit. We determined that a couple days ago when I was like, we haven't gotten any hate mail about misogynists. It would be some shit if this is the episode that we get the hate mail. That'd be fun. Fucking send it. We'll read it on the show. Yeah, we will. The entire time that he's saying this, he has been walking towards her slowly and ends his speech by saying he promised he'd come back and here he is. Aaron is not impressed by this and straight up just stabs him in the neck. As he is bleeding out, he asks her why. She just looks at him deadpan and says, why the fuck not? Fuck do you mean, bro? She stabs him in the eye and he goes down. Just then, she is shot in the shoulder and collapses on top of Krispy Kreme. Out of nowhere. A cop is in the window shocked and taking in the scene he's like, holy holy shit oh oh fuck oh, oh. this is so stressful for me <laughs> so out of breath aaron is getting up slowly as the cop goes back to his cop car to call for backup she is crawling her way to the front door when the cop makes his way back inside through that front door setting off the trap that aaron has rigged up earlier she yells no don't but it's too late the axe comes down on the cop and with a squish sound, we get the final title card, Your Next, in blood, if that wasn't clear. Yeah, and then the credits are like evidence and Suspect? Whatnot. Yeah. 
I actually don't like that it ends like this. I love it. I love that it ends like this, but I hate that Aaron might go to jail for all this. Yes. Because it's like, it implies that if you know how to defend yourself, and I think that's how things go in real life, right? There have been times where people have won cases against their victims Mm -hmm. because the victim knew how to defend themselves. And that's fucking disgusting. I hate the system. So I think there's a couple things that could save her. One, she's not married to Krispy Kreme, so she would not get any money out of murdering all these people. Or any donuts. She also has... Like that last phone call from him to the brother on the phone records. Because they could play back. Yes. Yeah. Or they could just confirm that that call had happened. And why else would he call Felix if they weren't in on it together? And the jammer in Felix's car. Yes. And then, because Felix and Krispy Kreme don't strike me as smart people, there had to be a paper trail between the people they hired and them. And the neighbor is dead. I get that the neighbor was like to throw them off. To be like, oh, it wasn't just for this family's money. It was also for, they were just killing people in the area. They were just crazy. But I don't know. Then you find out that the two killers are brothers. They probably work together. Yeah. And that's your next. What'd you think about it? I love it. Awesome kills. Super great. For all the reasons that I loved Ready or Not, which I saw before this. So Mm -hmm. I I hate to compare it because it is its own movie. Awesome to see a girl kicking ass. It isn't even about her being a girl, right? It is a feminist movie and I love that. I just love seeing a movie where the victim in general like defends themselves. And then it's awesome that it's a girl. Let's see more of it. I I love this. We've talked about it enough times where it's like, you don't know who you're messing with. Imagine Aaron versus The Strangers. Yeah. Because when you search this movie, The Strangers comes up as well as another home invasion type movie. Aaron would have wrecked them right away. A couple hours. Not even. Especially with a shotgun. No. Oh, yeah. Aaron had been like, boo, 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 done. Seriously, don't care if I killed your best friend. He was in the line of fire. <laughs> I'm a survivalist. What Shit are you going to do? <laughs> what about you? I I love this movie. You knew I love this movie because I kept being like, just watch it, just watch it, just watch it. I think one of the things that unsettles people about horror in terms of these home invasion movies is it's random. It could happen to anyone. But we've always talked about the, what if you mess with the wrong fucking person? And this is that movie that I've always wanted. I can't believe I didn't see it until now. It is quickly one of my favorites, one of my tops. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. <laughs> the pacing's great. The kills are amazing. And it's just so fucking fun. I'd say it's a 10 too. Yeah. Wow. Is this the first time we've both given a movie a 10 out of 10? I don't know. We've been doing this for way too long. For me yeah, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> But let us know if you remember. <laughs> no, I, I think it's good. I think it's a 10 out of 10. I also wanted to say Aaron, when she's killing them, is like rage mode. This is just, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, if Aaron really is a final girl, because this isn't a slasher in the traditional sense with the killer being so supernatural and overpowered. Do slashers have to be supernatural? That is a... I don't think so, because My Blood of Valentine is a slasher, and that's yeah. not supernatural. No. I think they have definitely become more towards that supernatural element of the killer never dies over the years over the legends the classics have become that yeah i don't think it has to be that i think as long as it's like just it's a masked killer or Mm -hmm. masked killers and just because it's revealed they're just average joes doesn't remove the fact that you have a lot of brutal kills which i think is what makes a slasher with some sort of like i mean yes you can then put it in the home invasion category which i don't think takes it away from slasher you can overlap you have a final girl you have masked killers right why not because then by that logic screams not a slasher because the killer always dies it just becomes a new killer every movie right i was just saying it for the sticklers out there who want to say that slashers are a specific thing do we care no to me she's an awesome final girl love her this is just super fun i would watch it over and over again i can't wait 
until we do Ready or Not. Uh, yeah, I love that movie as well. Spoiler. So, do you know if anything scared Loki today or yesterday with this movie? We didn't watch we it. We didn't watch with it with him. him. Oh, we did, but he was asleep. It has been harder to watch anything here. We don't have a TV. We'll figure it out. But I do want to say that Loki, with his new home, has been growling at anything and everything that's audible through the walls. And I'd say that he would help us figure out if we're getting home invaded or not. I don't think so. What do you mean? He would growl anytime anybody would approach our front door at the condo. And here he sees people outside and he's like, Burr! and he sees people out in the backyard and he's like, Burr! but he growls so much that we just ignore him because we don't actually think it's a threat. <laughs> I don't ignore him because it's not okay either. We're supposed to calm him down. He does look at us though for comfort. We are his comfort content, which is actually pretty lame. I was going to say wholesome. That boy needs help. <laughs> he needs fucking help, bud. I mean, y'all know you're 63 episodes in. Y'all know that Loki is a reactive dog and we try our best to snap him out of it. So do you think anything scared him about this movie? Home invasions aren't his thing. I don't think they're anyone's thing. <laughs> but Loki? Specifically. 10 out of 10 fear. You want to tell us about it, Loki? Fuck you, dad. Get me a house. So I can protect it from home invasions. Yeah, I will. I'll try. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll do it eventually at some point. But is that pretty much it for us here today? It is. As always, you can find us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakenoutscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon. You can get early access in episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. We're doing the sadness for may for patreon yep yeah very excited about that let's do it i've heard nothing but crazy things about that movie nothing but sad things mm, no just crazy okay good <laughs> <laughs> be sure to like rate review all that good stuff and keep things bye bye